This episode of the Mountain Bike Connection podcast is sponsored by BikeWorks. BikeWorks, a St. John's community bike and ski shop, is an independent retailer offering full sales, service and repair work for all types of cyclists and snow feeds. Located at 178 Thorn Avenue, St. John. Open hours are Monday to Saturday, 9 to 5. And you can reach these guys on 506-652-2453. You can find them on Facebook at BikeWorksSJ and Instagram at BikeWorks underscore St. John. To the Mountain Bike Connection podcast. Thanks for agreeing to put up with us for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might leave in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, he might. I think we're probably just going to pack your head and ask you some stupid questions you've probably answered a million times, but. <clears throat> yeah, what's your stupidest one? <laughs> Want to buy a fridge? <laughs> 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 free shipping <laughs> yeah no i'm happy happy to be here and chat and uh yeah kind of give you a bit of a glimpse into my life and lifestyle if that's what you guys are after that's totally what we're that's after exactly what we're after yeah 100 percent. happy uh happy saturday first of all exactly right cheers to that i've only got water though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lame <laughs> I'm on a hot chocolate. That's right. Water is important. It is. You got to get your water in. Can't Stay make beer without water. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. And you guys are uh, PEI, right? New Brunswick. New Brunswick. Close. Right, right, We're right. We're in the drive through province that everybody just kind of yeah. goes through to get to places. Okay. We're working on that, though. Oh, yeah. We're trying to make it. Better. Yeah, right. I'm uh, I'm terrible. I've never even really left BC, so I don't even know what goes on after BC, honestly. <laughs> if I lived in BC, I'm not sure I'd leave BC either. <laughs> BC is pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, have any of you guys been to the island? Oh, yeah. No. Nope. Oh, not Vancouver Island. Uh, Lori has. Vancouver Island. Yeah, she has. Yeah. I haven't been. Yeah. But, I mean, like, once you're here, like, this is where everyone comes, so. Yeah why i mean there's whistler uh across the pond on the mainland which yeah definitely would take a trip over for that and some good riding over there too but uh there's so much just in my neighborhood even it's like why i don't feel a ton of draw to go anywhere else no i mean why would you go ride somewhere else and be disappointed (laughs) right like uh it's mostly just like the time and the driving yeah yeah, like I can literally pedal from my house oh, to great trails. Nothing wrong with that. But there's good, there's lots of good trails around on the island, and I'm not. Should we do an intro? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, then. I think we should. You're the intro guy. Yeah, we need to. You do the intro, Darren. Hell no. Yeah, you do. You're the, the intro. intro guy. No, you do the intro. I don't have a radio voice. 
And well, you got a radio face, so <laughs> do the intro. Ass. <laughs> why are you not doing it? Because because I have a cold and I, I can't do it. It's got, it's got a sore throat. <laughs> yeah. Wesley's been kissing like dirty boys or something. He's oh, uh, right. picked up some flu around. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Rona. COVID kisses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So, Darren, you've never done it. You welcome us in. And I don't think it's going to be as exciting as it doesn't have to enthusiastic be. as yours, Wesley. But I'm not enthusiastic. And I'm not going to try the round robin again. Okay, okay. No. But Jesse doesn't know any different. So, realistically, <clears throat> welcome to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> we spent the first five minutes right, of come every on. podcast Let's go. arguing right, about the on. intro. <laughs> Tell us who we got, Darren. Well, this week we got Jesse Hildebrandt of Wildwood Cycles. Excellent. Welcome, Jesse. Cheers, guys. Thank you. It's been such a long time since you have used the pod track. I don't remember which one the no, round of applause I don't is. Well. No, that's, that, that's not a round of applause. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> there you go. I can't hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just on our end. It was just uh, <laughs> audience cheering for you. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> the audience that doesn't exist here, but... There's, there's lots <laughs> right. of people in the background. Oh, yeah, huge. The podcast. They're not pictures, they're real people. Yeah. yeah. So welcome to the podcast. You should uh, start off by just telling us who you are and where you're from, what's going on, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So Jesse Hildebrandt, um, 31 years old. Uh, from the island, not PEI, Vancouver no. Island. That's this, yeah, the other island, <laughs> <laughs> other end of the country. Um, yeah, I grew up kind of on the west coast, southern area in a place called Souk, and kind of moved into Victoria, the capital, as you do when you're uh, an early adult, and went to school there for couple years did some uh, welding courses eventually picked up a red seal and uh, yeah pretty much just bopped around the island working for different specialty metal shops and machine shops um, and road bikes a lot as well a lot of BMX and uh, naturally broke my bikes quite a bit so uh one day i was repairing one of my frames that i had broke and you know it doesn't take long to put two and two together and just sort of feel like you could probably do this yeah um yeah so i that was, uh, that was uh 10 almost 10 years ago now is when i kind of started dabbling uh proper i guess mm. so um, yeah, stuff on the island is really hard to come by. Um, <coughs> I didn't really have many tools or resources and knew that I needed a jig to build the frame um, and actually ended up tracking one down from a frame builder in southern Oregon. Um so imagine me on Craigslist just punching in like frame building <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for like anything in North America. That's like trying to find a unicorn, really. I would think. Yeah. 
So you can imagine my astonishment to actually find the thing I was searching for. Um, no pictures or info, just straight description, bike frame jig, uh, price. And so I emailed the guy a little bit and kind of just said, well, like, I'll give you this much money and I will come and get it from you. So that's about, <clears throat> I mean, I turned it into a bike trip, so drawed it out to like a three day drive kind of thing. Um, and yeah, just met him in a gas station parking lot and <laughs> didn't even really know what I was looking at in the back of his van and just handed him 900 bucks cash and chucked it in the truck and continued on the road trip and yeah, set it up when we got back home and figured out how to use it and take measurements on it. And, uh, ended up getting connected with some, uh, fixed gear, folks in the victoria cycling community who were pretty fired up on what i was trying to do and they got me hooked up with marinoni who is actually where i got my first couple sets of tubes from and yeah i kind of just went from there you know like built a bike cut it up looked at the inside of it Figured it was plausible to have one of my own, built one of my own, uh, rode it for almost five years. A BMX what, what bike. was, oh, your first bike you built was BMX? No, my first bike that I built was a uh, 700C just road bike. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and I cut that one up just to look at the inside of it and kind of smash it and see, like, you know, how strong is this thing versus a hammer, I guess yeah <laughs> um yeah and then so built a bmx bike and and it was just like the best best bike i'd ever ridden at that time um ended up making it a pound lighter than anything on the market which geez that's significant that's yeah. huge for bmx yeah yeah i mean you're talking 25 percent of the frame's weight um gone and it was a geometry totally different than anything else on the market so that was pretty fun to play around with too and uh yeah so i rode that for a while and then started riding more road because uh the market demographic for bmx is obviously pretty bad um they sell for really cheap and as far as like a bike frame goes, it's the exact same amount of work to build one. Mm. So why bother with that? If you're trying to actually have a go at making a living. Um, so I kind of found that out early on, which was unfortunate because I had lots of friends that wanted bikes. Right. And so I made a couple of those and that was fine. But when you don't see the returns, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's tough have to keep it going for sure um and i mean at that point in my life i would have been like 24 ish 23 and like kind of body was getting tired of bmx for sure um had a couple injuries that kind of set me back and then when you have to work too it's just like not really conducive to being an adult anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> adulting is great <laughs> So, sorry, what's that? I said adulting is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
don't remind me. <laughs> Great for spoiling fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um was riding lots of road and built some sweet road bikes and was getting lots of good feedback on those. Um, and then we kind of saw, like, the fade out of road biking, and now kind of it's just, like, gravel is sort of the new road biking. Uh, so trying to cater more to that kind of crowd for sure and then uh the mountain bike as well um there's just so much great mountain biking on the island and especially in nanaimo where i'm in it's uh it's a mecca really like there's like i was saying there's trails right above my house there's better ones down the road you can pedal for five minutes out of the car and probably not come across another person and yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. <clears throat> nice. Can you bike there basically all year or do you get shut down a bit in February, January? Uh, man, not even like a, uh, it's not even fair to just put like a month on it and be like, no, that's a toast. Like we're not riding for December because I, last year I rode all winter long and some of my best rides really? were. December, January. Frick. I mean, it's rain. It's raining, but like the like the the terrain here just sheds the water so well that like, what does it really matter? You drop a couple psi, and like your the trails all still run great in the rain. It's fine, uh, but like once it snows like this, you just you can't even you can't ride up any of the service roads to access anything so but basically you you can basically ride all year round there though for sure i would call it 95 percent of the year we get like right now we've had a weird front come in and it snowed on friday or no on wednesday or something and then it warmed up a bit and then it snowed again last night just a couple centimeters so it's, it's just been cold once it warms up and rains, it'll all be gone. So what's cold? What is cold over there? Compared, like, what do you guys call uh, cold? I mean, if it's snowing, it's cold. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm not really bothered by the cold weather, but I mean, I guess I would say anything under five degrees is maybe what I would start Jeez. calling cold. Yep. That's 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 balmy here. <laughs> yeah, we call cold like minus fifteen, like yeah, when the air sure. hurts your lungs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it's different out here too. Maybe um, it's like it's a really wet, damp, cold, and yeah, yeah. It'll it'll definitely sink into your bones. Yeah, it gets in your bones. Yeah, like true. like like an English damp cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes you your bones ache and your fingers. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're out riding in that, uh, once you're moving, obviously you're warm oh, yeah. and it's all. Um, but yeah, just once it snows and it stays cold enough that the snow doesn't melt, that's when it's like you're probably not going to go for a bike ride today. Yeah, well, that's not bad though, Frig. At least you can get out and go. It's warm here I mean, today at 10 degrees, yeah. but it rains so friggin' much you don't touch a trail. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, can go fat I- biking in winter, but fat biking's not the same. It's kind of like more like gravel riding you're just you're out biking you're not really yeah it's more the ripping berms or jumping or doing anything like that but right yeah i actually like to trail build a lot when it snows because Mm. you you get you get to look at the terrain 
with all the sticks and whatever ground debris covered. Yeah. Which I like. So yeah, sometimes when it snows, I've, if I've got time, I'll definitely be out there cutting some trail or doing maintenance or something somewhere. Nice. So what what are you riding right now? Right now I'm riding a prototype that I built uh, about a year ago now, uh, just single pivot, uh, what I'm calling the seal tooth. Um, yeah, I've been riding that for about a year now. Got a couple of good days at the bike park on it. Um, yeah, I really just kind of wanted to like proof out a little bit more minor stuff on the bike. Um, and yeah, it's been really great, honestly. Um, this is that was the second prototype third prototype that i had built and ridden so yeah i'm pretty confident now about the build process overall and the uh, integrity of the bike itself um i try to be pretty hard on them um like they're one 140 150 or 140 160 bikes and yeah, yeah i definitely i push them pretty hard when i can yeah Nice and slack too. I like that. I think I was looking online like 63 and a half degrees ready to yeah. charge hard. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're pretty sweet. Just like enough travel for around here for sure. And then, yeah, a lot of the stuff that we've got around here is pretty steep. So it's nice just to have that slack, mm. slack bike though. I think with a couple of the prototypes I've had, I've, I've found the line of slackness Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if you have listened to it. I think it's a pretty recent podcast with, uh, uh, Paul Aston talking about bike design and yeah, interesting to hear other people's input for sure. But, uh, mm. yeah, the, the main, the main problems I think that are going to end up coming with like the super slack head angles is that forks yeah. aren't, aren't working to their full potential at that kind of angle. You feel yeah. like, wouldn't they, they almost start to bind, wouldn't they? Like, geez, they will. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I think back like the grim donut. I mean, <laughs> that sucker's super slack. And have you seen that before? That looks retarded. That bike that yeah, I've, pink. I've actually, I've actually touched it. Sat oh, on no it. shit. <laughs> yeah. It was at the uh, BC Bike Show a couple of years ago, right before COVID. Yeah. Uh, Pink Bike had a booth there. Or was it Pink Bike or someone else? Whatever. The bike was there, stood up mm. and getting lots of eyes for sure. But it was pretty pretty comical to just yeah. stand over it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it looks like a freaking char- uh, like a chopper, like a Harley. The freaking wheel way yeah, in front of Just needs some big old ape hangers on it. <laughs> Pretty well. It might make it handle better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all your bikes that you've built, are they all your own design or do you, do you work with engineers or just? No. Yeah. They've all been trial and error. Um, obviously there's lots of good software out there now, like mm. linkage. Yeah. Uh, linkage has an open library where you can basically drop down menu select bikes that other people have designed and then actually look at the kinematic of the mm, suspension yeah. I mean, um so that 
that's been really helpful. But like, honestly, with the single pivot design, uh, you've only got so many parameters that you can work within. Mm. So you, the, the uh, data points are, the window is much narrower than one might think to mm. kind of achieve like an all round kinematic on that kind of design so it, it's quite straightforward well i mean realistically at this point in time i mean we got to be getting so damn near every single style and thought of frame that could be built has pretty much probably already been built i mean yeah like, for sure. I mean, look a lot of look at a lot of the bikes out there now they're still using a host four bar linkage yeah or yeah. something very similar along those lines right because yeah. it's proven yeah yeah and I mean, yeah. companies will come out with a different bike, and it's it's it looks a lot like this one, but the geo is just slightly different by a couple degrees or something, like on on the tube angles or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, basically be, the be, same, but enough to not be the same. Be interesting to see where those lines are. Like you said, Jesse found the the line on how slack he could actually go. Mm. You know, at what point are we just gonna kind of stagnate in frame design and yeah. suspension design? Where does where well, does bike building even go from here right now? I mean, besides e-bikes, I think <laughs> e-bikes are going to be the next the get the most innovation over the next five ten years. But I mean, as far as it, just a mountain bike, where do you go? Really? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's a million dollar question, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as angles go. I don't see things going past 63 degrees doing anyone any favors, especially mm. your, your let's call average rider riding on most terrain. Like, and that's kind of the thing about angles and kinematics is they're all going to have advantages in some situations and then disadvantages in other situations. Yeah. So the grim donut probably absolutely rips in a straight line going down something incredibly steep but if you were to sit in the saddle of that thing for an hour or two and, or heaven forbid, go up some kind of technical climb, it'd probably... Oh, yeah, you'd be... It'd be a terrible bike ride. done. Yeah, that's the thing. As you get better on one end of the aspect, you're getting worse on, on the other side, right? Like, yeah, that's exactly it. That's so exactly it's it. It's a fine balance, but... <clears throat> okay, we, we have a... Potentially. Oh, hi, Becky. Mm. <laughs> I figured they fell asleep. <laughs> I thought so too. Well, I wanted to. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask him a question. Ask him. Like, well, Go ahead. I don't want to come across as totally stupid, but there's no have, stupid questions. Well, no, but because I don't, I ride my bike. He does all the techie stuff. I just ride ask my bike. Question. Do you build your frames from like scratch? Do you source the steel and like fabricate them and everything? Yeah. So I'll. I'll buy over supplied length material. Um, typically the material that I use for most of the bikes is all drawn in dyes from a molten state in Italy. And then they come over to the U S and I have to import them into Canada um, because we don't have manufacturing mm -hmm. like that here. Um, it's actually hard enough even just to get, not even specialty bike building worthy material in Canada at a price point that even makes sense. So 
yeah, typically it's um, I buy just the tubing, and then bottom bracket shells. I'll buy those. Uh, head tubes. I'll buy those. I don't do any of the machining of that part of the bike at all because it's so readily available to buy from mm-hmm. places like Paragon Machine, who turn them out in the hundreds, and yeah, you know the price points there. So, um. Some people call them like Lego bikes just to like buy those parts and fabricate with them, which is fair enough. But I'm a lot less interested right now in uh, saying, look at this head tube that I machined um, over, like, look at this overall bike that I created. Yeah, that's it. It allows you to focus. Sustainably well, and have here. to charge $200 more because you had to machine it in-house, right? Like, so you said it makes no sense when you can just buy it readily available, right? <clears throat> to buy a piece of material that you could turn a head tube out of, you know, ship to your door, let's say roughly would cost uh, $40 after some shipping just for the piece of material. Mm-hmm. Forget time. Forget tooling, forget breaking said tooling, um, forget any room for error, and you can buy that thing that you're set out to make for twenty five dollars. Exactly, so it's that's it's, <clears throat> it's, it's the world right that we now. live in. Yeah, yep. exactly, the world that we live in, and that's fine. Like they make really high quality stuff, and their customer service is totally top notch. And I have no problem paying any amount of money for any of those parts because Mm -hmm. if you told me tomorrow i've got to make something like that i i'd be a little bit upset yeah for sure (laughs) so what are you using for steel uh the steel is dead a chai for the down tubes um and the top tubes and then the seat tube is just a straight gauge chromoly so the the top tube and down tube are double butted and then yeah the seat tube just straight gauge and then the whole rear end um the seat stays are just a straight gauge chromoly and then the chain stays are uh usually an s-bend formed mountain bike uh chain stay set that yeah you can buy in whatever different wall thickness for the applications but i typically try to build the bikes pretty light because i know that they can be light Mm. Um, that's kind of always been my design philosophy, like build it as light and simple as you can in a repeatable way. And then, uh, find the point of failure and work back from that. So yeah, the, the very first one I made was quite light. Um, and it did fail at Mm. Whistler, not horribly because it's steel and you're, you're lucky that, but, um, but it did crack right on one of the brazons that holds the cable routing on the down tube. And that was just uh, likely due to the wall thickness in the middle section of the tube being so thin. Cause it was like, mm-hmm. Hey, it was, I, I wouldn't even advise to have used it. But for me, I was like, I need to find where well, you're <laughs> testing, right? It's just like testing head, yeah. head tube angles. You want to find out how far you can go before. Oh, that's too far. So yeah. yeah. So what do your bike? What do they come in as far as weight, roughly? Uh, like with a shock, you're looking at eight and a half to nine pounds mm. with a shock on the frame, um, and that's like your uh, your skewer would be on. Like all the hardware would be on yeah. there. That's 
yeah, yeah, nice, about that. And then with that. no, it's like pretty comparable, honestly. Everyone's always really surprised when they have a chance to pick up just the frame, especially without a shock on it. Yeah, uh, and they're like, "Whoa, this is like feels as light as my carbon, whatever." And you're like, "Yeah, that's because the technology is so good now." Like. It's aerospace grade material. Yeah. I think people just got so used to aluminum and carbon that they forgot what steel was. That it's actually a stronger material, and you can yeah. use thinner steel than you would aluminum. Yeah, smaller tubing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely great in the application of a bicycle for sure. Um, just due to the cycle, the stress cycles that it can withstand. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and for for people like me, just the manufacturability of it, it, it's huge. If you know you start getting into some of that other stuff, it becomes a huge problem of sourcing the material, the quality of the material, handling of the material. Like it just goes on and on. But the steel has always been pretty easy to work with. <clears throat> is there is there anything that made you choose steel over? Can you weld aluminum, or are you not? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've been in and out of different shops for the last 10 years. And, you know, I worked at a brewery place and all they did was stainless and copper. And all day, every day, stainless and copper. And then I've worked in aluminum shops and it's just aluminum, everything. Don't even bring steel in here because all they do is aluminum. Mm. Nobody even. Nobody wants a cross contamination, even so. <laughs> so I don't know a lot about welding, but do you TIG weld steel? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if you TIG welded steel or not. Or yeah, you can braze. You can braze it as well, mm-hmm. uh, which works. I would say the same, uh, but typically when you do brazing, you're going to do like an initial pass as a root pass to make sure you've got. 100% penetration on the mm-hmm. joint and then over top of that you're going to do a bigger filler pass uh, which is like a fillet braised style frame normally what you see as like a modern braised frame yeah. I guess downside to those is you're putting the frame through more heat cycles which is fine if you can keep the heat minimal um, and then the weight of the brass filler that you put on top of there, like that's weight too. I mean, yeah. the tubes weigh, you know, you're probably putting like twice, like the same amount of weight of the tubes on the frame in filler material. Yeah. Just to have a strong enough joint. And some people like that aesthetic and that's, that's just how they want a bike built. And that's totally fine too. Mm. Um, but for me, again, like when you break it out hours and manufacturing wise, they got to be TIG welded because it's low heat input. It's really, really strong yeah. and it's fast. There's no cleanup afterwards. It any looks so good. <laughs> yeah. When you do it good, it's good. Um, yeah. yeah. Any brazing you'd have to actually soak for at least a couple hours to get the flux off the inside of the frame because that stuff is highly corrosive. And if you leave that in the frame, that's where it's going to break. Yeah. Okay. I don't mean to sound dumb. Thanks. Sorry. (laughs) What does, so we, we have an 18 year old who is, well, she's a welder. Yeah. Which one does she do? Uh, Meg. Okay. She's learning TIG. 
Right. Because she would shit a brick to sit there. Oh, you're right. She would, yeah. 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 She, yeah, I spent spent a lot of time in uh, in school in the booths doing testing, uh, getting stuff X-rayed. It's yeah, I've spent a lot of time holding the torch. She oh. pretty well walked out of school at grade twelve and straight into a production welder's job. Yeah, yeah, that's it's tough. She's well, she's very good at it, but she's looking for a red seal right now to apprentice under, and there's just none around, not on this side of the country, anyway. Right, right, yeah. And Canada's weird like that because I know potential status would be recognized nationwide or Mm. nationwide, yeah. But I think if you go the other way around and you come to BC, I don't, I'm not sure if your red seal is still valid or not but it's been so many years since i was even in school i don't even know what goes on anymore they just push you out the door like you're gonna go to alberta <laughs> well big lines exactly that's yeah. why most new brunswick welders go anywhere right? exactly that's where they all go yeah Make but i mean the, the, the reason i raise it is because she wants to get into more of the the i don't want to say boutique welding because that's not the right word but more technical welding. yeah she doesn't want to stay where she's at she wants to focus on that more specific mm-hmm. stacking dimes yeah yeah oh yeah we've had like a guy that's been welding for 35 years said he's never seen skill like she's got after not even a year so sorry i didn't mean to i just i was i wasn't sure uh-huh. of the the different ones yeah yeah there's a bunch of different processes for making the two things one mm. Um, but essentially, you're just making the two things one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I'd have to use screws. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to build a bike and I'm going to screw the tubing together. <laughs> I was in the army, hey. so it's duct tape. Let me know how that works. <laughs> yeah. At least you know yourself. Yeah. Or I'll use epoxy. I'll, I'll epoxy it. <laughs> JB Welder. Yeah. Uh, there's, some, there's some pretty good glue out there these days. Yeah. Well, what's a uh, bunch of bikes are going to like tubing like carbon tubing and like oh. titanium blocking or whatever that's called yeah like the otherton yeah otherton yeah. bikes like they're doing that yeah, yeah those are glued there's yeah. i mean the glue, the glue technology is really good too right and again it's it's aerospace grade it's not yeah. not glue you go buy at the store <laughs> you mean canadian tire glue isn't glue? gonna work <laughs> <laughs> So how many bikes, how many different types of bikes have you created? Models, you mean? Models, whatever. Yeah, good question. Models, this last year, I kind of just narrowed the website down to kind of three concept bikes, um, that being the single pivot, the hardtail, and the gravel bike. Um, And mostly that's just been from a couple years of paying attention to the analytics on the website and Hmm. the given area that I'm in as well. That's pretty well all that you're going to see people talking about. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, like the site's kind of structured like that. All those bikes are just concepts. You know, if you want a gravel bike, we can build a gravel bike. If you want a hardtail, we can build a hardtail. And there is geometry that I put on there kind of, like the seal tooth to just sort of test the waters this last year and see how receptive people are to it. Um, because I did find a point a couple years ago where custom orders was kind of getting obnoxious because I have to 
retool or maybe make a different little jig or you know i definitely have to move my frame fixture around a bunch and mm-hmm. do a ton of me- kind of measuring on that which is all time right um so i thought if i could mitigate that that would uh make or streamline the manufacturing side of things which it did uh earlier in the year um you know i built six of the seal tooth and those went out into the world and they're still ripping around and that's yeah it's been pretty good but uh typically people that reach out want a they want to do the whole consult process and build a custom bike that's really neat (laughs) To be able to yeah. just call and like talk about your bike before it's even built and just how you're going to build it. And I like yeah. that. Yeah. You, know, you don't yeah. get that from other companies. <laughs> Not a ton. There's, yeah, you know, like there's frame builders around for sure. Yeah. A few. But uh, yeah, you know, I guess it's just dialing in that in between of everything you know that is gonna be a good bike be a light bike have a good finish on it you know like paint is important Mm. uh longevity of that stuff is important and you know all those things play factors in and and price point of the bike too like a lot of the you know everyone's shopping on a budget and i just want to get bikes out there so what's the price on your uh seal tooth frame jesse the price on is thirty one fifty for custom. So pretty much could choose your geometry. You can choose your color. Um, you can choose your bottom bracket type, your um, hub width. Uh, tire clearance and stuff is a little bit less with options. Like pretty much those frames cap out at a 2.5 tire. Yeah. Um, especially if you want like a super short chain stay, then that really will start to get your tire smaller. Um, and I can work around that stuff if someone is like, this is a deal breaker for me, but I don't really offer, I guess. Um, yeah. So 3150 for the custom on those. And uh, that's kind of been where prices have been, since i did a pre-order last winter for the six that i built uh they were 28.50 or 27.50 they were cheaper um but i was realizing pretty quickly that the money was disappearing faster than it was coming in Mm. so needed to bump it up a bit and then you know this year with everything going up like 20 percent or whatever yeah, it was uh, inflation's been insane like i never i never raised my prices i tried to keep it all just where it was and i'm still trying to hold strong there because you know i'm a consumer at the end of the day too i want to buy stuff and i want it to be yeah. affordable um so i'm trying to keep the prices where they are right now um but uh yeah it's hard it's hard when one little bag of groceries is 100 bucks a tank of fuel and a little car is 80 dollars i basically if i'm leaving the house it's 500 dollars like you know what i mean and i mean 
I don't know if you, you guys run your own business, but yep. yes, the, we do. <laughs> the, the, the money disappears fast. Very some, right. day, some days it doesn't even come back in, so it can be a bit of a roller coaster for sure. Yeah, a lot of ups and downs. Oh, it's constant ups and downs, yeah. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's, people also don't have a full grasp of what it takes to manufacture stuff especially stuff in canada that's and, a, that's uh, a big thing too that people don't understand it's like i i really like like i'm into outdoor stuff and i like companies that are built in north america and you'll hear sure. people ragging on something about oh my word i can't believe this is that much and yeah but it's sourced and built in canada like or yeah. u.s like they have no idea yeah. how much that costs to do like it's crazy because it's not a freaking kid in china building it for you yeah it really is phenomenal how exponentially the costs of stuff go up as soon as it's like here in north america yeah and i mean like i gotta buy a lot of my stuff material wise from the u.s because there's no it doesn't come to canada so there's another 30 cents on the dollar right there and you know it's crazy how you look at you look at a number as you're going through a checkout for some of that stuff. And I basically got to double it, whatever exactly. I'm looking at. You do. Yeah, you do. Cause that, that's what it works out to. It's yeah. not the number you're looking at. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> literally almost double. It's, it's like double. I just, we just ordered a bunch of stuff. It was like, it was like $503 American shipping. Wasn't that much. And then I think right. all of a sudden done in Canadian, it was like what? Nine sixty something. It was like yeah, 900. Was like, it was almost double. Like it's crazy. Yeah absolutely insane i know and for a long time i tried to just like eat that oh you can't it's 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 not sustainable no you can't no i mean you think think about what you're putting out with a sealed tooth 3150 for a custom frame that's pretty freaking good when you look at other alternatives out there like (coughs) i know atherton's not really comparable because of the manufacturing process but they want five and a half grand yeah for a frame yeah Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Exactly. You know? For sure. And they're probably worth every bit, honestly. Oh, no doubt in my mind. But Well, they're the the block. What are they called? The, what the tube's going? A block? Call it a block. Tube and something. The lugs. Lugs. Jeepers. Aren't they titanium <laughs> lugs? Titanium printed yeah, like lugs. Titanium. Carbon. Yeah. 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 Titanium is crazy expensive. Yeah, and it's all 3D printed, too. Oh, it's not geez. cast. So, but no, I mean, you can I, look at other custom frame makers out there and they're all at a way higher price point. You know, 3150 yeah. is a pretty damn good deal. Yeah, and I mean, and they come out looking sweet and they ride sweet. And the, I think another thing too is like the, the client-builder relationship is important as well because yeah. if there's any problems or if you ever want to make any changes, I'm still here. Like... You're, you don't have to just chuck your bike out and go get another one if you don't want to. Mm. You need to make a custom titanium frame bike. <laughs> you imagine what that would cost. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, they're about twice that of steel. Um, I'm pro- I'm hoping to be working more with Ty in the future. Oh, really? here. I've got, yeah, I've got some tubes and some parts oh, machines. Um, for a prototype titanium front triangle and then steel rear triangle. Um, 
and I'm just trying to figure out right now uh, basically the science of how the rear end is going to react because there's some mm. chat there's some chat about how uh, the seat stays on a steel bike will actually flex yeah. in, in such a way that it affects the kinematic like uh, a horse link bike. So mm. what, what was the bike they did years ago with, so they had like a, a almost like a flex chain stay on it. Yeah. That's what everyone's calling it now is a flex stay or a flex. Yeah. Pivot. Yeah. I remember there was, there was a bike years ago, probably like, the Six spur has got it. There's lots of modern bikes that use yeah. it now. Lots of, lots of XC bikes use it now. Mm. And it's basically just like five or four more millimeters of the rear end flexing. Mm. And but there's no link there. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And then going to try out a linkage driven uh, prototype basically was just trying to get the water bottle on the down tube more than anything. Um, <laughs> Important things. Yeah. Right. Um, there are like, obviously the kinematics different and we're going to see how that feels. Um, but yeah, getting that bottle on the down tube was kind of a major aesthetic thing for me. Um, and then the manufacturability of it too, like the with a rocker being involved, then I can outsource the manufacturing of the rocker and just focus more on what I can do within my means quickly and effectively. Um, and then, yeah, see how that affects the process of production and we'll weigh the benefits and non and... Uh, see where we go from there it's always changing right <clears throat> mm. it's always changing and i find one thing about mountain bikers are always looking for that thing to just set them off so a lot of them are like they want that thing like one little thing that like sets them off makes them look different and they really mm -hmm. seem to like that a lot every like you don't see too many people riding around on a mountain bike that's just bone stock they got something done to it, their own touch. And yeah. people go yeah. as far as, like I said, buying something like yours, a fully custom steel frame bike. Yeah, it's definitely what I call hyper niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like those bikes that people go all out on and it's like Paul everything and just like the nicest mm -hmm. everything. Like those bikes turn heads and. Yeah. You know, and they're sweet bikes too. Like oh, that's absolutely. all high, or high end parts and you feel it in the bike. It's. Well, I mean, it's crazy out here. Like I'll go on a big group ride and just the amount of custom bikes you'll see and e-bikes. Like I was on a frigging group ride here a while back before winter came and there was three e-bikes there, all eighteen twenty thousand $20,000 e-bikes. Like that's crazy. Yeah. A freaking bicycle. Yeah. And then there's like another guy there with a full blown custom pivot, that super light pivot e bike. It's the same thing, like 15, 16, 18 grand. Like, and then, like you said, full on custom bikes. I don't even know what they are, just boutique type bikes. And it's like, holy shit, guys are, yeah. these guys are throwing down big time. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a frame builder like uh, North Island of me, and he's over on a different island, but he only works in Thai. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably heard Naked Cycles before. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. So he's up there. He only builds with Thai, and I think his frame sets are like 5,500-ish, roughly. And then plus, he, like whatever his build queue is, I think I've heard it upwards of a year or two years. So. Holy frig. So it's not like you're going to hit someone up and get a bike for next season. Mm, exactly. Or even, or, or even like current season. Like sometimes I can crack a bike out in four or five weeks. So yeah. it depends on how many holdups there are. <clears throat> well, that's the thing with business. You never know. You might get six calls one week and one the next and 10 next. Who knows, right? Like. Yeah, totally. And post COVID right now too, it's, I think everyone's feeling some type of strain. Yeah. Definitely. Like people just aren't, people aren't spending money like they were in the spring. Can't that's afford to. How, yeah. How <laughs> like, it is. Especially out here on the East coast. I mean, we're the three poorest provinces in the country and like right. people just don't have the money to spend like they did. No. So no. I mean, no, the government's not giving anyone free money. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what was that's what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was getting this free COVID money. Were they free. doing that out there too? Oh yeah, everyone and their dog was on it. Really, everybody was how, buying toys. How could they afford to live out there though? Isn't Vancouver high cost? They're like a lot higher cost of living than here. Oh yeah. I don't even go over there. I like, I, I don't even leave the Island for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't because, know. because, because, you know, like say I want to go and see a show, a favorite band is going to come through Western Canada. They're probably going to go play in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. Oh, so figure you're going to go over there. If you're going to drive over, that's a hundred and call it 110 bucks each way mm-hmm. for the boat plus whatever kind of weight you want to do. Um, driving over there is terrible. You got to pay to park your car. Mm-hmm. You got to hope someone doesn't break into said car. And then if you can even find a hotel, they're like four or 500 bucks Holy a night. Holy shit. Just, just for the Howard Johnson. And that that's like, that's, oh, that's just a room, right? Yeah. And you got to you gotta find one. Like, it's not like you could just go over there and get one. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Um, and the, the island used to be a lot cheaper, but I feel like since it exploded over there, a lot of those people just kind of came over here and, you know, same thing, everything here now, it's the same prices over there. It's no different. Yeah. Yeah. It's all relative. I'm sure. Do you guys have a question? We were making notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, I just want to, are you like a one man, one man show? Do you have any other employees that work with you or do you just, you do everything? I do literally everything. Uh, Emails, consultations, marketing, media, fabrication, design, runaround, shipping, customer services. Do do you sleep? Busy guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've got it in a pretty good flow now. So, yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. So all in, your seal tooth that you're riding around, what's the weight on it? 34 pounds. Jeez, that's pretty solid. That eh? is pretty solid. 
Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, carbon bar and carbon wheels. Um, you know, I got, I work with We Are One, so definitely rocking mm. those. They're just like such high quality, so stiff. Yeah. Again, great customer service, which to me, like that's what you're paying for, man. Like yeah. you're. Yeah, and aren't they? I think they're all Canadian built too, like in North American yeah. sourced, are they not? Yeah, they're in Kamloops. Yeah, and I think they get even their carbon comes from the states or something like that. I, I think yeah, I heard I it on a podcast that they don't buy anything. Every they buy everything that they can in North America to build their stuff. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. Cool. That's cool. As you would hope to, but yeah. uh, I think they might have like a recycling program soon yeah. too. Should be good. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the issues the end of life of stuff, right? Yeah. Like how many carbon bikes out there literally just ending up in a landfill? Yeah. You hear a lot more talk about that with carbon bikes lately is the, what do you do with them? Trying to recycle them and make use of well, it's, it. Yeah. It's going to be an issue soon here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. At least steel, I guess you can melt it down again. Well, I mean, think about it, right? You you ride your carbon frame, you crack it to such an extent that, you know, repair isn't quite possible. You do that with a steel one. You take it to someone like Jesse and they go, oh, yeah, we can. Well, I mean, you can recycle steel, turn it into whatever. Much easier. Right? Well, you can do the same with carbon. It's just a much more oh, complex yeah. process. And it's not as common. No. Right. But, but if I take my bike out tomorrow and I buckle the front triangle on it, I'll just cut it off at the seat tube and bottom bracket and I'll just put a yep. new front on. Right. Yep. So that's, it that is, carbon. can't do that with carbon. Yeah. The whole thing you can, is junk you with can carbon. All repairs. Yeah. Basically you can do cosmetic repairs to carbon. You, yeah. you crack it. She's junk. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Not just Pretty. one tube. It's all junk. But I mean, maybe let's even back up to like an even bigger issue. And that's that people just ride a bike for two years, regardless of whether or not yep. it's junk. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you're a season and a half and it's up for sale, right? Like that's kind of also just the world that we're living in. So yeah. I think a lot of that is fueled by <laughs> the progression of mountain bikes in the last five years or 10 years is it's come quite a long ways in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't been into it that long. And even since like 2017, we'll say like it's changed quite a bit. Just. Yeah. The technology is there. The bikes yeah. have never been more capable. The it's just never been more capable. There's so much information. There's so much, like there's so many other brands doing stuff that also aids what already exists, you know, stuff mm. like fix with their, uh, their bushings for shocks and like yeah. so many little things out there for the bikes that just make them that much better. Now it's, it's kind of sad when you think like you're just going to have a new bike every other year because yeah. basically, basically because the market is telling you, you need that. Yeah, exactly. Um, did mountain biking explode out there during COVID? you guys see a big uprise and i mean it's always been popular out there obviously compared to here but it's always been 
that's always been huge here. Um, probably like the biggest form of biking here. Yeah. Uh, like we had a BMX track for a while that was pretty shit. And then there was an ABA world series or whatever, and they built a new track in Victoria. So that was something i mean there's a bit of bmx but yeah for the most part it was just mountain biking you never noticed a big uptick in the amount of mountain bikers really uh more people started doing anything outdoors period yeah 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 because back during that time i was still living in victoria Uh, i was doing some trail work out in an area where there was a couple bike trails, but nobody ever went out into this area. Like if someone was going to go for a walk, there's closer places and we'd be out there digging all the time, never really see a soul, maybe the odd person. And then as soon as COVID kicked in, it was like the road we used to park on, it would be double parked with cars. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it, was, it was it was wild like there'd be people walking around at the spot that literally a week ago we were just chuckling about how we had this essentially secret area of like zone that we could build trail and no one no one was ever going to come out here um but yeah i think like people definitely just started going outside more yeah. in general yeah, yeah there was more people surfing there was more calls to be rescued there was more everything mountain biking exploded here up and up yeah. until just recently like you couldn't even buy a mountain bike they were just yeah. sold instantly yeah yeah it was, it was nuts i was waiting for once covid uh, kind of got done and through i was waiting for all the cheap bikes to flood the market but it's not even like no. that now used bike is selling for pretty much the same price as a new one right yeah. now yeah. yeah, well, I feel like with that inflation, like that would have been your probably yeah. your your margin of savings. And it's just in, it's called inflation now. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forget that. But um, yeah, like there's a little town a little bit more north from here called Cumberland. And it's kind of always been like a pretty shit town uh, with nothing really going on and since mountain biking has sort of taken over there um you know they have a huge trail network now with paid trail builders that do upkeep that the city is involved with they've got a pizza place and a brewery and like all of all of the stuff that comes with mountain biking um so that's a pretty cool little town but uh yeah where i'm at in nanaimo it's pretty spread out overall we kind of have like three hills or mountains if you want to call them that i don't know what your height for a mountain is but (laughs) not much out here (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) we have little mole hills compared to what's the the tallest mountain in new brunswick is like two thousand feet or something like that I thought it was like 40, okay. Well, that, 40, no, it's a little over two thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's still pretty good. But Not we've bad. got we got a, we got a bunch of that around. So, yeah. you know, it's really easy to spread everyone out to the point where you don't really see anyone else on your mm-hmm. ride. Sometimes, like if you're, I ride midweek a lot. Um, 
And yeah, like I never really, there's never other cars where I park to go ride, even though there's tons of great trails. Yeah. But we've got a good, uh, good bike community here too. There's lots of good local shops and bit of racing on the island. And yeah, it's a, it's a special place over here. A lot of YouTubers over there. (laughs) Yeah. There's a couple of YouTubers, a couple GoProers. Yeah. They're good guys. Yeah. It's been years since I've been to Victoria, but the one thing I remembered about Victoria was how pretty it was and how clean it was. Is it still really, really clean and well cared for? Uh, yeah, I figure they probably do their best efforts to keep it clean, but it's kind of like everywhere else in Western Canada with the homeless problem. Um, like no one can afford anything here so everyone that is here is like like there's a lot of people that live in their cars there's a lot of people that do the van life thing there's a lot of that around Um, so yeah it's pretty nice down there though worlds apart almost entire country apart I just like, yeah. Oh, I'd go tomorrow. Yeah, uh, just just the style of I'd riding go tomorrow the, gas the infrastructure. Like a buck eighty. Yeah. just the difference in the infrastructure that between, well, every province really. You know, Ontario's got some. Quebec's got a hell of a lot. Yeah. BC's like world leader in infrastructure for mountain biking and yeah. everything else. And New Brunswick, here we are, just kind of pulling up the rear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your weather probably has a lot to do yeah. with it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Our building We're season is really short. Very much geared towards sledding. Motorsports. Yeah, motorsports. Like, people look yeah. at me. I run a little store up the road trying to get a bike still going there, and they're like, you getting these? Where's the engine? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Likes, dude. <laughs> doesn't have an engine. They're not, not interested. Yeah, and that's just like a mentality thing too of regions. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's lots, lots of people out here that just sled and stuff too, and they wait all year to go sledding twice. And if that's your cup of tea, go for it. But yeah. you know, the island, you, you could be surfing and snowboarding in the same day. You could go bike riding and surfing in the same day. You could do whatever you'd like. Really, it's it's all pretty accessible. <clears throat> Am I hearing the dog whining? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what am I hearing? <laughs> dog protesting upstairs. Wants to come down. You can hear Aaron chewing on the chicken. I came down. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you guys have got a bike shop out there. How long has that been going for? Well, we we just uh we bought a store this year, so it's like a little uh little restaurant there, convenience store, gas bar little bit of space inside i've done worked on bikes for quite a while just have a little workshop in my house he's a bike mechanic well i work on bikes that's a mechanic (laughs) (laughs) so yeah still kind of building and developing we'll see where that goes but like there's nothing from here to fredericton like 130 kilometers and then two Two hours drive there's no bike shop in between and we're yeah there's nothing like, so, well, it's three right. hours between Fredericton and Edmonton, right? And there's yeah. nothing. We're bang smack in the middle. Yeah, exactly. So not a single store. <laughs> and there's a growing market for 
like mountain bikers, right? Not yeah. just mountain bikers, but there's a lot of roddies around here. And gravel biking's getting big out here. Everybody's yeah. getting into gravel biking. Mm. Yeah, it's be kind fast of, growing. Kind of the new thing. I mean, you can go camping, but your reach is that much farther. Um, yeah. And you're still going on a bike ride. So yep. yeah, yeah, bike packing's not huge here uh, yet, but it's it's coming. It'll get there. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just the infrastructure, right? I mean, you got like the town of Florenceville up the road. They got some nice areas. They've just bought forty something bikes for rentals, but within the town itself there's very little in the in in the way of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of like what it all comes down to, you know. Victoria was weird because they didn't really want to embrace the the coming boom of mountain bike infrastructure. Like if you were caught building a trail out there, there'd be a fine. Yeah. Uh, and even in even in that zone where I told you that Buddy and I were digging, that uh, soon as people started going out there is when people started complaining, and once people started complaining, yeah, is when. The- came in and wanted to find out who was doing it shut shut it all down they were taking trails apart jeez uh, oh. i mean like you wouldn't want to call yourself a trail builder <clears throat> at all so your the come- land out there is it mostly crown land or is it like logging companies or just private land or yeah it's all stolen land in a nutshell but yeah. uh mostly mosaic um they would be whatever you want to call title holders. Um, you know, we've got like a pretty big anti-logging culture out here too. Okay. Not that I'm on any side of the argument, but um, pretty common to roll up to like a trailhead or something and someone either cut the gate out or pulled the gate out um, because they don't, like people out here don't want to be limited by, yeah. you know, access. It's not super fair. Um, and it's just like mosaics or whoever logging companies way of protecting their investment really. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they don't want you in there possibly poaching trees. They don't want you in there shooting up machines, burning machines, because that's what people do. They get in there and they just... It's liability as well, right? Yeah. Someone goes in there and gets hurt on that land. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, like, you've got, we've got maybe a fraction of the population you guys got out there in BC, so... <clears throat> You know, we've got smaller towns now that are beginning to see what other places are doing and they're coming with like tourism plans for building trails, developing trails, that kind of stuff. Yep. So it's moving yeah, along. Well, Victoria just in this last year actually like opened up a bike biking park, I guess you'll call it like machine built trails at a trailhead. So you know, they're kind of silly for waiting that long, but at least they are doing it now. And, it's a step you know, like, it's, yeah, well, it's not just biking. You know what I mean? Like everyone that goes places to go biking, they got to get food somewhere. They got to exactly. get, yeah. got to do all the other things. And, yeah. you know, those, those trails bring business to people. Yeah. Yep. Gas, food, hospitality. Sure. Big money. Like yeah, spend. break 
break your bike, you got to go buy a bike part. Like yeah. you better hope there's a bike store nearby. And yeah, we got tons of those around. <laughs> yeah. We don't have too many around here yeah. really. Yeah. So if people want to find you, where do they, where do they go? Where do they look you up? Uh, typically just a direct search. My website's wildwoodcycles.ca. Uh, or you can follow me on Instagram at Wildwood Cycles. And I try to get back to everyone that do the DMs, but sometimes it's a lot. Um, email is a good way to wildwoodcycles at gmail.com. Just send me an email. Mm. Super it's happy. With an E, too, right? Wild, no. Wild E? Wild with an no. E? Wildwood. <clears throat> no E. So where did the name come from? Where'd you get the name? Uh, I was at a point with building where people were telling me that I should probably decide on a name and that branding could be important, which it is. So originally I was just pretty anti calling it anything. Like I didn't really care. I just wanted the bikes to not suck and and get friends riding them. Uh, so I had a friend who was living on a sailboat in Victoria at the time, and we used to spend a bit of time on the sailboat, which was named Wildwood. So just kind of looked down at the boat one day and was like, yep, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I like your label. It works. It's a nice, nice yeah. name, nice logo. Yeah, I could change it later if it matters, but... You know, again, it just wasn't ever really seemed like priority. Yeah. No, it works. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's sweet. Do you have anything else to add or are we good here? We covered everything. I think we should probably let him go get some supper. And Miss Laurie looks like she's about to fall. Yeah. Over. It's like bedtime out here. <laughs> I, think, I think Becky's about ready to go to sleep too. Yeah, like 8.39 is like the girls' bedtime, any time after that. Yeah, it's they're, like quarter after they're, 10, they're past our bedtime back here. Yeah. <laughs> well, as soon as it's dark, it's bedtime. Oh, <laughs> right. What time does it get dark out there? Probably the same. Uh, four right now. Yeah. Oh, oh, four. That's brutal. That's really. Uh, I thought yeah. five. It's like, it's like five here, and I, I, I thought I was just in the store tonight. I looked out the window. I thought, God, it feels like it's about midnight, yeah. 10 after yeah. six. <laughs> yeah. yeah get the lights up. yeah well cool if you don't have anything to add or we didn't miss anything then we'll no call it, was, a podcast. Uh, it was good catching yeah be, been good talking to you it's awesome yeah great thanks so much for having me on you guys and uh take care of yourselves you too yeah, yeah. thanks awesome. man take we'll, it easy we'll shoot you an email with the podcast when it's up cool i look forward to it thanks right. jesse have a good night. Cheers, guys. Take Merry care. Christmas. Later. Yeah, I suppose it's the season. Merry yeah, Christmas. But... It is. <laughs> oh, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. It's like these friggin' fruit cakes. Yeah, stupid <laughs> Easterners. <laughs> Super cool looking bike. Though. So oh, they are clean. Neat. Like the yeah. seal tooth is what caught yeah, my attention. Yeah, I like the clean look of the bike. We I do like that. At the bikes on Instagram, and there's some really pretty colors. Yes. Well, you can get yeah, custom got, colors. Right? Well, he's got one. What was it? Is like a trout. Rainbow trout. Rainbow trout. Rainbow trout. Mm. It's super sparkly, and I I would call it pigeon, but <laughs> right up your street. <laughs> Rainbow trout, whatever. It's awesome.
Oh, jeez, don't do that. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, Becky's out. She's out. I don't actually eat like that. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Peace out. We'll be back for a Christmas episode, everybody. We will? We will. Yay. I don't know if we'll have anything to talk about. <laughs> we got to go biking or do something involving bikes to have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now we could go canoeing. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Matt, friggin' round. We're supposed to get another inch and a half of rain on Wednesday. Boof. Yeah, that's I can't why. even hear it. I've so, got my earphones out because he's I'm not chewing anymore. It. I chewed loud on purpose because it drives me insane. <laughs> right. Good night. Later. Wait. She gone. Later, y'all. Good night. Yeah. This episode of the Mountain Bike Connection podcast is sponsored by BikeWorks. BikeWorks is St. John's community bike and ski shop and offers full sales, service, and repair work for all types of cyclists and snow lovers. Conveniently located at 178 Thorn Avenue, St. John, and open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 5. Find them on Facebook at SJ and Instagram at BikeWorks underscore St. John. Whatever your cycling or skiing needs, the whole team is always ready to help.